0: I would say good morning, but it's not good. I can click this thing, and it goes from slide to slide, and Brad, he can't even click. He don't know what to do. I mean, how incompetent can he be? You guys laugh, but I'm upset. I'm complaining. I can't, I can't do it. I tried. <laughs> no, you know how easy it could have been, though? I mean, that's pretty messed up, the slides are today. And it could have easily been put on Brad. If it was anyone about bread, Brad's done this enough times where we know it's not my fault, you know, it's, it's Mitch's. No, no. <laughs> it's the internet. It's Comcast. It's the elders. It's who? I mean, it's President, our current President Trump. I was going to say Bush for whatever reason. <laughs> it's always someone's fault. And that's the thing about it, right? When we are talking about complaining, it's very easy to do, just easy. Um, so just when you get background, it may not make it all great, but it gives you more as like self. So here's some background. We've had internet problems, network problems, I don't know what all, I don't know how to even explain it, for a long time. And even when we've got been wired, everything was good, and then after a while it just breaks down again, and we don't know why. And so we have a network company that's been out on Thursday. They've been out on Friday. They spent overtime yesterday trying to help us um, to get things going. And as you can tell, it's still not perfect. And I'm running out of batteries on top of that. So more to complain about. So as a result, we're talking about this concept of complaining. And yet when we read these passages of scriptures, you know, how do we handle life? Because life actually happens. And it's easy to Complain when things should run as I want them to run, right? Think about it from a standpoint of, of life in all kinds of facets of relationships. And I hope you can see it. If you can't, I'll explain it to you. But here's a school teacher <clears throat> school teachers in the teacher's lounge, a special sacred place where gossip really takes place for teachers. That's, I remember those days. <laughs> And let me tell you about Johnny. Johnny always slacks in my class. Johnny always disrupts our class with bad behavior. Johnny this and Johnny that. Or here's a child. Child doesn't like the rules that mom and dad has at home. And every single rule that they don't like, that they don't understand, it's mom and dad's fault. here's a spouse and as a spouse my spouse if they can just get their act together right I mean my act is together but my spouse does this wrong does this wrong does this wrong does this wrong I can't She, he can never get it right didn't even know where to put the dishes all these complaints You notice one thing about these complaints? There's a common denominator. Of course, I'm not giving you much to work with, but you get the point. They're talking about other people. Not talking to people. And that's the problem. It's going on for for millennial. It's gone on. It will continue. And it's not going to end just because this sermon is taking place. It's not going to end with us because we're human beings. And we're going to go back to complaining at some point, even contrary to scripture. So when I ask you guys, if you've ever sinned and you don't raise your hand, even on the word, have you ever, never complained? Someone someone's raised their hand. I've never complained. <laughs> Think about it. Life takes place. We all have been guilty of so many kinds of sins. And sometimes we're blind to them, deaf to them. Sometimes we just don't see. Our weaknesses and we don't see our sins interestingly enough this particular sermon is in the making for a number of years because the elders actually asked if I would preach on this because of the years in which sometimes in fact the men had a uh, gathering yesterday and gave a number of scenarios of men that were serving in a mock elders meeting it was really encouraging to, to be a part of that not I mean to witness it watch it I was not in the mock meeting but um one of the scenarios that Don had given was when someone has a complaint against someone else in the congregation and they go to the elders you know so we're talking about how do we handle in these situations because sometimes when we don't like what we see we complain because we want something done and this is the way we handle the situation. I go to the elders in this particular scenario. So how does the world handle this concept of complaining? Well, I can tell you what the world does and does not do when it comes to complaining, among other things. The world has no problem, right, slandering the person they complain against. No problem. Because this person deserves getting um, outed because they didn't do what they're supposed to do, right? So there is a slander that is involved. They don't look at it as slander. They look at it as justice taking place in the name of this complaint. They don't necessarily care to resolve the situation, but when you talk to them, they want it resolved. But how they go about doing it shows they don't want it really resolved unless they're going to do it in a manner, hopefully, as we'll see it on a different slide. And they're not concerned necessarily about the ruining of their reputation over here, but what's happened sometimes is their reputation gets ruined. Have you ever been part of a situation where and kids you guys can know this you talk ugly about another child, and you put them down, you tease them, you roast them. You know when it ends up looking bad? To children with, with childlike ways, it's like the one who gets roasted is the one that's, man, man, he got roasted, ah, good for him. But as you start having a more sensitive and tender heart, you actually look and you're thinking, the person who's doing the roasting is the one who ruins the reputation. That's really what's happening. But it's hard to see when the mind is set on the ways of the world. It's hard to see. And so we live in a culture, in a society where this right here, complaining, very commonplace, very justified, very, um, I don't know what else to say. I, it's kind of wacky world, you know, because I don't, I don't see good that comes from it, but many do. And in fact, I, I was missing the announcements when Brent was leading the announcements. I, Brent, I've missed the first words about the article. You said something, and then it's like, but I forget what you said, but it's like it wasn't what the title was. Oh, okay. I was happy I was on your side. Okay. Well, and I wrote that article four times, by the way. The first time was very different than the last one. And by that time I got to that point, I was thinking, I was trying to come up with actual benefits. And the only benefits I could actually come up with were worldly benefits, which they can be beneficial, but there was nothing positive in in a very genuine, substantive way from complaining. Right, And then it's not just how you complain, or not just that you complain, but how you complain that can actually be beneficial. And so there are some nuances that could have actually gone Brent's way (laughs) from that standpoint. But here's the actual reality of what takes place in so many cases that are not really considered when complaining. So the question is, if Christ's way is a renewing of our minds... Right. If what we are doing is supposed to be different in the Lord's church, then we have to see what that difference looks like. Because if our minds are going to be such where we can be like Christ and still handle actual things that I believe need to be resolved, need to be fixed. Can I do it without complaining? And furthermore, this is not the scope of the sermon here, because the sermon is meant to just deal with this one little part. There are times in the Bible where complaining takes place and it is viewed in a very positive way. Go read the Psalms. There's a lot of Psalms that are actual complaints, even against God himself. And there's no rebuke within that, naturally because it's a Psalm. But there are times in which God lets us vent and it's okay. But go look and see how positive if i can use the word not positive from a feel good standpoint but positive in in what that venting has allowed for their relationship with god in the psalms and you will see a beautiful beautiful psalm where venting takes place and resolution takes place in those psalms or acknowledgment takes place in those psalms so there are times but when we look at how we deal with these passages that we're going to be looking at the way of christ is very different than the way of the world Right. So Ephesians chapter four, we are told to put off the old man and put on Christ. Right. The old man doesn't care that the other person's name is slander, but the new man does. Because if I am to fulfill the greatest commandment to love God and to love my neighbor, then my neighbor's reputation is at stake when I speak about him or her. Does it not? Yeah, sure does. And all of a sudden, the gossip room is not a very pleasant place to be a part of. It's not. Roasting people is not the thing that gets things done in a healthy way. It may get something done. That sounds positive. But it may actually destroy a relationship. And just like um, Ben was mentioning this morning, when we talk about our knowledge of God, it's okay. Knowledge is good. But what does that mean if you don't have a relationship with him? Same thing with human beings, not just with God, right? Your soul is precious to your creator. And if I am to love you as my creator loves me, then I'm going to see your soul is precious to me as well. And that's very important. And And I say this knowing that I fail at the very things that I'm preaching right now, all right? But this is the way of Christ, that we put off that old man, and we put on the mind of Christ, that our way of doing things are going to be so different that the world sees. you know what? You don't speak evil of people. Or when you do, you apologize. You know, the old man creeping back in. But these are things that are very, very important. And so we're going to find solution, and it's going to come through that concept of love. It always seems to be that way. It's You know, it's one of those things where it's easy to get labeled preaching in the pulpit when uh, about, Mitch, he only preaches about love. It's it's in every page of the Bible, right? You cannot get away from it. If you're going to have problems, what's the answer? I don't know what else to tell you. That's going to be like the big umbrella, and within that big umbrella going to be more nuanced things that help us to solve problems when we've got concerns or issues. So... these passages real quick if anyone has a complaint right even as Christ forgave you forgive one another if anyone has a complaint even as Christ forgave you interesting you know I'm just complaining because the temperature is too cold I mean too hot I mean not just right this morning someone is cold and someone is hot and the temperature hadn't changed I wish they would turn it down I wish they would turn it up can you imagine Dale like this (laughs) right turn into the the rubber man whatever the guy the the old superhero (laughs) stretch so you can't please everybody right get this um, I wish we had better lighting you know I wish it was and just figure out the, the colors the color scheme of this room I mean, I think it's awesome by the way but imagine we, we complain about the carpet not looking good or whatever it is just insignificant things that we can talk about that are just that insignificant but we make them into big deals and, and what have you and we complain and here is Paul saying brethren if you've got a complaint remember Christ forgave you and his forgiveness was not insignificant. We're talking about your soul. And your soul has been forgiven of, it, of your sins. And now you're in Christ. And you're worried about these other things that are insignificant, Relati- relatively speaking. It may be important to you right now, but these are insignificant compared to the forgiveness that has been given to you. Right? Right? And if I want you to go to, uh, well, you can look at James chapter 5. I want to read this passage in James uh, 5 because it's it's a beautiful text for us. But I want you to see this. Very, very important text, if you will, on how we treat each other. So we had read for us Colossians 3, 12 through 14, right? Jesse read that for us. We We kind of skimmed over. Um, Ephesians 4 about putting on the new man taking off the old and putting on the new here's what he says in James 5 verse 7 brethren be patient until the coming of the Lord I want you to see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the latter rain establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand Be patient. And on the heels of saying to be patient, he says, Don't grumble against each other, brethren, lest you be condemned. Think about it. Twice. The idea was you had been forgiven, right? So as Christ forgave you, forgive others when they don't meet your expectation. Here, the flip side is, if you don't forgive others, that means you've condemned them, you've judged them in your heart because they've not met whatever expectation. Whether it's it's small in the grand scheme of things, but to you it's big, here's what he's saying. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. It's no different than when in the Lord's prayer, Lord, forgive me of my Trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. It's no different than many other passages where we bite and devour. Not necessarily at each other, but how about when we're not with each other? How about when, like I'm looking at John now, so how about when I'm not in John's presence, I bite and devour John. And he's he's not even there to defend himself. But I ruin his reputation by my words. Those to me are are great signs that our hearts have not yet been fully transformed. That our hearts need the forgiveness of its sins so that we can be able to be forgiving towards others when they've done something about it. And, And then go one step further, which is going to come up in the next slide. And then go to John. Talk to John. Here's why I have this angst, John. That's what we do. If we're going to complain, the very first and best thing we can be doing is going to God. Think about it. Someone was mentioning um, yesterday, the men in the, uh, the men's class, went, they were doing the mock elders meeting, and, and I think it was Ted that said, hey, before we do anything on any of these issues that Don was bringing forth, we got to go to God in prayer. Because it's going to help your mind to be right, first of all. put you in a better place, hopefully, if it's not been in a good place. Particularly when when you are the center of attention and it's not a good attention that you'd want. Right? Here's what Psalm 55 tells us. I want you to open up to Psalm 55. I want you to look at this text here. And then we're going to finish with a couple of some important things to say. Psalm 55... Naturally, we're in the middle of of the psalm, and and I want to read to you verse seventeen. Let me see if we get the right place here. Let me back up to verse uh, fifteen. This is a person who has destruction all around his midst. Um, his friends have turned against him. I mean, just life is bad. And then he says, Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Sounds like he's complaining at the first part, <laughs> verse 15. He's like, God, go ahead, just zap them. As for me, however, I will call upon God. The Lord shall save me. Every morning and at noon, I'm going to pray. And cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. That's what we need to be doing when we have something that, complain. And let me just say when you go and read the entire of Psalm 55, it's not like the guy um, used a permanent marker accidentally on a whiteboard. And now you as a teacher don't have a good whiteboard. We're talking about People who are ruining your life via sin, not some accident. I mean, this guy has a complaint, if he's, and he is using it as a time to vent to God. When we have the way of Christ in our minds, in our hearts, we kind of slow down a little bit. We kind of let things digest and try to understand that, you know, this morning... Fred's doing his very best. For all we know, the batteries have gone bad. And then someone said, well, who's supposed to be putting batteries in? I mean, you can always find the problem, right? Dennis. Yeah, you're hiding in the audio room. I see you. And, and Dennis like, you know, Mitch, and by the way, Dennis does this all the time. We might have batteries still good, and he replaces them. Dennis is very faithful about making sure we have good batteries. Except for this one is out, Dennis. (laughs) This one is out. Um, He's really good about it. But here, but it could be a bad battery. We've had bad batteries, brand new put in, and it's not going to work within minutes. Might work initially. There's a number of reasons we don't know. But now we get to. I talk to Brad, like Brad, what's going on? Were you just kind of like having a, you know, what's going on with your brain? (laughs) And Brad's like, Mitch, I'm pressing it. It's not working. All I can do is press the button, Mitch. I'm sorry, Brad. Sorry to get so bad and down on you. You know, but we—if we don't understand, it's easy to jump on Brad. And then I can say, you know what? We got it pretty good. We just didn't have um, things working right on our songs. We still had voices. We were told it was number 600 if we remembered to open up to the song and we could go and go, I don't know the words. Some of us, we just know the words, but we're so used to having it up here. We just somehow think we can't sing unless the slide is on the right one. We still got it good, right? Easy to have a different perspective. Same exact instance. One, it's typical Franklin service. (laughs) Something's gonna mess up. You know what, I think it's awesome. It reflects us as people, as human beings. We're not all there. We're not perfect. Just going ahead and epitomize who we are. And then we get to see what's really important. Our sins have been forgiven. Man, no big deal. Whether it was Brad, whether it was Dennis, whether it was Mitch, whether it was the elders, whether it was the IT guy, Comcast whoever it was life is still good our sins are forgiven what a different perspective and then realize though if I have this mindset that I'm going to I got to find a problem because that's what we do in business we find the problem nix it get it out and then solve it yeah but we're human beings with souls I think it's a little more tender-hearted than just just slice it and get it out Life just not so, um, so easy when we live it because we make mistakes. We forget things. We do things unintentionally. Sometimes we're not perfect at fixing things, and then things like this happen. Sometimes it just happens. We don't even know what the answer is. The ways of Christ is understanding along those lines. Here's the way the kingdom does things. Okay? In the new kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord... Right this is the heavenly way of doing things. We actually are considered of other people we're, we're actually Benefit I don't know if that's ever a word benefit doubters give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't even know what that really means Benefit anyway, it's doubting but you're anyway You're looking at the best in them and you're realizing there's got to be some reason So that instead of jumping on brad there's got to be a reason why i'm sure brad is doing it really well right look for resolution so i'll start off with matthew 18 if a brother sins against you verse 15 go and tell him his fault between you and he alone right and if he doesn't hear you take one or two with you that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word would be established still we're not I'm not complaining about everyone. I'm just talking to you, but now I brought one or two with me, right? The old law was teaching this. And if he doesn't hear them, take it to the church. And if he doesn't hear the church, doesn't repent, doesn't listen to the church, then let him be to you as a heathen or as a tax collector. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be with them in their midst. So the concept is you got a problem with a person. You go and tell them his fault. This is naturally contextually sin. But you can take this principle and even apply it to things that are not necessarily sinful. Go and tell them. I'll give you one illustration. This is where I royally messed up. I'm 19 years old. I'm a pineapple truck driver on Maui. Brand new truck driver. And I was not very good at driving a double stick shift, double clutch. So you go first to neutral, neutral to second, into neutral to third, so on and so forth. I was not very, I did that okay, but driving on a mountain with lane, a truck is nine foot wide, the lane on the pineapple hills are like nine foot two inches. <laughs> you mess up and when it's raining and the, and the water is making mud and you're sliding and you see a 300 foot cliff on the side, it's stressful. I was not very good at it. The next year, I was not hired. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) So what I did was I went straight to the top because I wanted answers. Why wasn't I hired? What's interesting was the person who I spoke to said, have you gone to the person who hired you? Have you gone to your immediate boss? One thing I learned back then, you go to your immediate superior, right? If that's the pro- person you have a problem with. <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't know that. Talk about being green. I was, I was very green and learning here's the proper way of, of living life. You go to the person you have a problem with, and I, I went right to the top, so I'll make sure that this guy, because he didn't hire me, I was upset and I complained didn't handle it well look for resolution the flip side it's not every time that I've done wrong against you or uh, or I've sinned against you and you come to me sometimes you've done done wrong in a sense and for whatever the reason I know about it right Matthew chapter 5 there's someone who is something against you now the flip side to that of Matthew 18 And I have my gift. I'm going to the altar. He says, no, lay your gift on the altar. Go and settle things between the person who has complained against you. Here's what we want to do. He's got a complaint against me. Bible says he comes to me. See, the heart's still not good either way. Heart's not good. How about I go to the person that has complained against me? That's another way of handling it. Either way, you have someone with a good heart trying to do things God's way, Christ's way, looking for resolution, not for a fight. He's got something against me. Well, guess what? I've got something against him. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about finding peace, reconciliation, finding something that where there is some kind of a an some kind of a wall, whatever the situation is. But what we don't want is, say, you know what? I don't feel good talking to Steve Garrett. It just it's just doesn't feel comfortable for me to tell Steve man Steve you got this problem but I'll have no problem talking about Steve it's interesting I cannot talk to Steve but I can talk about him and I don't know about you guys none of us like complaints Well, at least I don't think none of us like complaints i sometimes I wonder if, if some of us enjoy it but no one, no one of us likes to actually go and do this right here. I don't think so. Not normalcy, at least. We don't like conflict. And so it's easier to go to someone else to deal with the conflict. Mom, tell Johnny he's touching me. Johnny's sitting right next to Susie. Right? We, we always want someone else to fix it rather than trying to look. For resolutions right here in first Corinthians chapter 6 where Christians cannot get along so they take each other to court he says we have failed we're, we're we failed if that's the case here we are we're supposed to be this new kingdom living we're supposed to be living on quote-unquote a higher plane on a heavenly way of doing things and we can't even get along with each other And then we have to go to the people of the world, the one who live like the world, and have them solve our problems. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 6. He says we failed from that standpoint. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, same thing, that we're not going to be complaining to each other because we're going to actually be defrauded. When you look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 4, 12, the concept is, Would you not rather be defrauded? Something has happened where you feel wronged. Why not be defrauded? Because it's not right, right? Because they're in the wrong, and I want justice. If that's the way of our Lord's thinking, Jesus would never have gone to the cross, brethren. Let it sink in. There was no way Jesus should ever have gone to the cross because it was completely unjust for him to be there. And he took it on himself. Have you ever tried at least once? Take the fall, even though it wasn't your fault. Ever done, ever tried it? If you've never done it try it It may not even feel good but try it it takes a lot to be defrauded the whole purpose Romans chapter 12 the whole of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God and man being reconciled and what did God do he took the blame so to speak if I can package it in this word in this way of speaking So get the intent, get the spirit of what I'm saying. He took the blame, so to speak, and went on our behalf as a sinner, so to speak. Jesus, not a sinner, never sinned, died for our sins. He is the propitiation of our sins. He stood in our place. He took the fall for us, so to speak. And now he's telling us, Would you not rather be defrauded? That's what Paul is saying in these letters. Because the whole of the gospel is reconciliation. And how did God treat us? That while we were enemies of his, he sends his son to die for the ungodly. And now we are told to be followers of Jesus Christ. And as much as is possible with us, live peaceably with all men. That's what we do. We seek peace. And until our minds get transformed this way, this is a concept that we will fight against. And this is a lifestyle and a way of living that we will continue to practice. And so, whatever those situations are, you go to this person and you talk to them, not for fighting, but for resolution. And all of a sudden, maybe the problem that we thought was big is not as big as we thought. Especially when we take the time and we we get to know each other's story and realize, wow, okay, now I know this person's situation. You know, this person um, was not doing their work really well, and and I was going to fire him. And until I found out, this person is very sick. Ben talking about one of his employees. For all we know, and I'm not knowing the situation here, but if this employee was not performing up to par, typically, now you know why, and you were like, man, I was ready to ax him. I'd feel guilty, wouldn't you? I would. Sometimes they're just not feeling good. Maybe life happens. You've lost a loved one. And you're struggling with depression or struggling with whatever it is, and you're not able to function just well. And you know what? If we're compassionate people, we're not like, okay, bottom line is, here's your quota. If you don't meet it, you're out. Hasta la vista. That's the way the way of the world, isn't it? I mean, that's just reality. That's the way the world works. But this is not the world. This is the body of Christ we're talking about. We're souls who have been purchased Through the precious blood of Jesus, souls who are so precious to Jesus and to our God died for that person. How do we treat them? Like God? Yes, like God. That's how we follow after him. And so we seek peace. So here's the thing. If you've got a complaint, first of all, slow down. Think about what it is you're really complaining about. How big is the problem relative to what we're talking about, our souls? Secondly, is this a problem that can be solved? And if so, how so? And if you don't know the answer to it, go to the source. Or at least what you think is the source. I thought Brad would be the source. Of course, I knew it wasn't Brad. But go to Brad. Go to the next person and talk to him. Find out not just, hey, you're not doing your job, Brad, you know, get another clicker. And Brad was like, absolutely, here you go. <laughs> Dave? <laughs> I've seen Dave turn red, turn that clicker, and it doesn't go. And it's not Dave's fault, unless it is. <laughs> no, we just, don't, we just don't know. It's hard. Sometimes we don't understand. We're just doing the best we can. Go to the source. See if you can help solve the problem if it's within your capability. All of a sudden, it's no big deal. All of a sudden, we get to be more understanding of each other and have this peaceful relationship with each other. I hope from, from the elder standpoint, that this is the goal that we would have as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the goal and how when you go and share Jesus, sometimes not in a form of a Bible study, but in the form of here's how you live life in the kingdom of our Lord. And they're looking and going, wow, this is a. It's a different way of living, that someone actually would be defrauded. Some people would look at you and laugh. Some people are going to see the kingdom as very beautiful and wanting a part of it. It's a beautiful way of, of showing Jesus to them. And I hope it means something to you. Now, if you're here this morning, the song is number 334. You might want to take your songbooks out. <laughs> not sure if it's going to make it through the screen. But if, if not, we'll still sing a song. And the invitation will still be there. And the invitation is for for a loving God to take you, a person who is guilty of sin and possibly full of wickedness. Just no one else sees it until you rear your ugly head through your sinful way. And he wants to take you and clean you. And he wants your mind to be transformed and it doesn't happen overnight. Maybe some things might Maybe a lot of things won't, but you're going to be changing your ways. And In this new kingdom, we all, through our weaknesses as well as our strengths, we all try to follow and emulate the one who died for us. That's the beauty of the good news, and that's the invitation for you. Brethren, if, if you want our prayers, if you want to use this as an opportunity to repent, and we can pray with you and for you, not to gossip about you, Here's your invitation as well. Now, before we sing the song, I only now remembered, because I'm looking at Carly, looking at Eric. This is their last Sunday. I know. God willing, in nine months they'll be back, but I just want to wish you two very well. I was only going to wish Carly well, but yeah, you're part of the family now. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> just having fun. Uh, but I wish you, wish you very well. Rather than think about these words, practice it, practice it, practice it with a tender heart, and we will be better for it. If you're subject to the invitation, use this opportunity as we stand and sing.